cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? You're drowning and I throw you a life jacket. Would you grab it? Yes. Good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask him how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns? Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show him a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 1750. Yeah, down. There's some red here today. My eyes aren't accustomed to this red. NASDAQ Futures down 105. Do we have uh, Professor Lou? Good morning, sir. Do you know what the new acronym of the day is? Uh, I, I, I shudder to think. Oh, yeah. Well, it shuddered me. It's BKB. And, and I... I venture to say you will never guess what that stands for. Is that like a, a Bacon King burger or something? No, not even close. It stands for Big Knickered Bikini. Why would anybody and want one of those? Well, there's a, few <laughs> people, there's a few people that should have a man over their bikinis, but that's another story. Well, Big Knickered Bikini is apparently a well, you could tell by the word use of the word knickered that it's a British term. Yeah. Um, Big knickered bikinis are the antithesis or the opposite of the thong bikini. And a big knickered bikini is uh, a full cut, oh, I guess a bikini with a full cut bottom. There you go. Sort of the way they, they, I think they started out looking back in the 50s. But anyway, apparently the thong bikini is, is now considered uh, obsolete, unflattering, um, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I always kind of liked them, but well, it depends but, on who. Well, that's true, but, but anyway, the the big knickered bikini. Go to the Wisconsin, go to Wisconsin Dells, and you would really hope for the yeah big knickered. You, you'd like it. You'd in fact, you'd be you'd be hoping for moo-moos yeah. in that kind of situation because you know, quite frankly, there are a lot of moo-moos up in Wisconsin. Um, um, whatever you want to feel uh, skinny, if you're not, just go to the Wisconsin State Fair. That, that's that's right. Iowa Iowa State Fair was was much the much the same. A lot of a lot of corn fed corn fed beef of of both sexes wandering around. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Which, a lot of tats, which, a lot of tats. More tats which, in Wisconsin probably. That's right. Which which leads me. So now that we've now that we've solved that issue, so big knickered bikinis apparently are coming back according to this the British press, and uh, so I I was sort of fascinated by the acronym, which I'd never even thought of before but anyway that's I have important t- important style tip tom when you head out to oak street beach you know in yeah. the summer ditch the thong okay uh i don't think i'd be a thong kind of guy just saying no no um, hey I'm, i have two I'm, questions about behavior and change in the world one way i was going to plan on asking you when i went but one this morning was an observation is young andrew and i were crossing the street as you know and the former Eisenhower Parkway, which is now Ida B. Wells Drive, uh, to make a turn onto Financial Place as a left turn arrow. Because you essentially have an expressway coming towards you. So there's three guys, three people, I don't know who the hell they were, waiting for the arrow this morning. And of course, the second car gets impatient because there must not have many cars coming because it's closed further down for this really stupid race, right? 
So all of a sudden he's got one of these really noisy ass cars, which bothered the bleep out of me. He cuts around the first guy who's waiting for the arrow, and you know runs through the goes through the yeah, uh, red runs, arrow. Runs to the light. Yeah. So now immediately, the guy be the truck behind him follows him because now, okay, now that one guy's done it, I've got to do it. And this is like I don't know what this is. Uh, so then there's another guy comes. To be waiting in line, and he sees that guy do it. He just follows him. Doesn't even, doesn't even wor- think about it. Now the, the guy in front now, who's been waiting this whole time, finally says, "Screw it!" And he turns through the <laughs> red arrow to him. Is is our society? Is this what we have? Anybody's getting away with anything? You feel distraught that you're. I mean, there, there's some mentality here that I just can't. Somehow or another, when you look to, to write or look to see society righted a little bit, you know, in terms of. Uh, governance in terms of morals, in terms of everything, and you like to see the place always improve because that's my view of America that every day is supposed to be better than the day before, and it doesn't seem like it's happening. There's there's some mentality here that I just don't get. Last night I'm driving home, minding my own business, and there's a guy in front of me, and all of a sudden there's a police car coming the other way with the lights on. So we all pull over. Now he pulls over maybe 100 feet, 150 feet from the intersection where there's a stop sign. So he and I are delayed, you know, 10 seconds. Well, now that, of course, uh, absolves him from having to stop at the stop sign because he gets to get back on his regular schedule. Then he blows the stop sign. <laughs> like, where does it say that if you're held up by a cop for, for, for 10 seconds, you get to blow the next stop sign? I'm like, where, where is this well, all you, written? <laughs> you, touch, you touch on, obviously, one of the very basic points that, if you had been a political science major in college, you would have you would have encountered in your freshman or, uh, in my case, fourth class or third class year, which is you sit down and you you begin looking at why people form groups and what causes people within a group to adopt the group norms, the group the group rules for behavior, and how over time you you essentially enforce the, the group essentially enforces a standard of conduct without having to um, with, without having to put police at every corner because everybody in the group understands that if one person if everybody acted the way one irresponsible person acted the group disintegrates and, and and you have you have chaos so this is a very basic understanding and and it it's a fundamental it's a fundamental rule for any kind of society and it it there are there are well identified groups within american culture for example that just don't buy into this and whether they don't buy into it because of you know I don't know, whatever their own culture, their subculture, genetics, the the influence of of other outside forces, whatever. But but you have you know you have elements within within the society that just simply will not will not conform. And th- this was the and they and they have to understand that if they don't conform, these el- these elements don't conform. They're gonna they're gonna suffer some kind of significant retribution. This was the this was the whole principle behind uh, Wilson. Uh, he's a political theorist. Will uh, Wilson's 
broken windows theory of policing, which is you you enforce you start enforcing rules at at the low end of the of the spectrum, rather than the high end of the spectrum, because the people in your culture who have no respect for the rules, who who don't buy into this, if everybody acted the way I'm acting, um, you, you're the the world falls apart. Um, they don't buy into this. They start breaking rules early on, and they break rules all across the spectrum. So, so you catch them at the at the low end, where they're breaking windows, where they're writing graffiti, where they're jumping turnstiles, where where they're engaging in in petty you know petty crimes. You vacuum those people up, and you enforce the law against them. And eventually, what happens? in theory, and it seems to work uh, in the places where it's been tried, eventually what happens is you've either A, incarcerated, you've deterred those people, either by locking them up or by causing them to think twice about doing something stupid, or, or you know, you, um, you effectively force a conformance on the, on the culture. And, and this you know this seems to work, but but the, the the idea that you're going to get people who have fall into this category that they don't they don't buy into the basic rules that say you can't act this way because if everybody acted the way you're acting, you know you we 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 disintegrate as a society. These people don't buy into this. You have to deal. No, with they think they're special. You're not, they're, 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 they're they're not think they're special. Well, you're not going to educate them. You're not going to educate them or or refine them out of that out of that mentality. In most cases, forever, they're never they're never going to assimilate properly. They're never going to come in and be law-abiding citizens. They're never going to buy into the the idea that you should generally follow the law because it the law is there to facilitate easy life or a better life for everybody. And and especially on basic stuff like following traffic rules. Um, so I, I mean, and I'm I'm not going to point a finger here, but it, it's really funny to see. So for example, the the the, the Ferguson. You know what the Ferguson effect is, right? Uh, I've heard of it, but refresh everybody. Okay, so so the Ferguson effect refers to Ferguson, Missouri, after um, uh, the. Brown kid was shot and killed by that police, white police officer in uh, Ferguson. So big riots, big screaming, you know, the hands up, don't shoot, which by the way was all was a whole lie and a fabricated story. Anyway, all of this erupts in Ferguson. This was this was, you know, 2015, 2014. And um, this all erupts in Ferguson and, and cops stop policing. And we saw it in Chicago. I was living in Chicago when this all erupted cops stopped policing and and backed off and you saw a subsequent immediate direct and, and apparently clearly linked causation for uh, cr- violent crime in in all kinds of neighborhoods but but in the predominantly african-american neighborhoods so so all of a sudden you see this this pushback okay so the Ferguson effect occurs in in on steroids after the George Floyd murder and 
one of the things that they noted and if you the, the statistics are jarring when you look at them but there was this huge uptick in black traffic deaths um, it, it the the George Floyd the post George Floyd period which lasted I think about two years was was one of the most it was a much more dangerous time to be to be african-american in the united states because because the police basically shut down and one of the things they shut down was was on, on traffic enforcement yeah you're not, gonna, you're, not gonna, you're not gonna pull anybody over you might get pulled over but if you run 100 miles an hour it's you're not gonna get you're not gonna get well it, it well if it, i mean in chicago there is but, there is absolutely no traffic enforcement whatsoever i mean if there was a cop standing and saw what i saw he would never have he would never never have entered the fray oh well this is this is one of the elements and, yeah. and so the, my my point is that within them, apparently within African American culture or whatever, there, there's a there's some kind of increase or there, there's this dramatic increase in black traffic deaths. I, I I don't know enough about the study to say that 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 this was consistent with other studies that that related to African Americans and driving. Well, there was a guy last week, Lou. Talk about not your day. He's over on the east side. Sees some car go by, and of course somebody shoots out of the car and nails this guy on the sidewalk. Right, that gets him in the arm and in the leg, and uh, just drive off. I mean, this just happens. I mean, somehow or another, I don't know how we got to stop this, but I think an awful lot of cars, a machine guns on them, maybe. But uh, so the, this this is a, a a bystander, well, a bystander in a car, gets out, grabs the guy, throws him in the back seat, and heads off to the University of Chicago. But instead of calling 911, of course, he heads at a high rate of speed, loses control of the car, whacks into a light pole, and kills himself. The guy in the back seat survives with the wounded guy. So the guy, I mean, it sure as hell isn't funny, but got to talk about when it's not, not your day, huh? I think if I, my, my, uh, if I would have written a book my, uh, my whole life, Lou, I think I would have. I don't know how many hundred chapters I have by now, but this could be chapter one in my book entitled No Good Deed Goes Unpunished. Well, think, in any event, the point, to go back to your, your yeah. point about about following the law, it, it, that, that situation with the, with the African-American traffic deaths is a, is a classic example where, where you've got apparently a sizable number of people who, without the presence of police, are going to run amok and... and that that's just one that's just one marker of it. The the jack the jump in murders within African American communities was another. The the crime in um, uh, you know other neighborhoods jumped. Why why Lou why don't the people? Um, and this has been the big issue. I mean it's kind of been a theme for the last couple of weeks on the show. I don't know if it's gotten anywhere, but uh, for somebody, can anybody ever tell what my theme is? I'm, I'm not sure they can. Uh, the theme is why are people so silent? I mean, I look at the economic stuff, as you know, I rail on it all the time, and there's a, there's obvious winners and losers here. Why are the losers like the kid in, in Caddyshack or not Caddyshack, uh, whatever the other one was, Animal House? Thank you, sir. Might have another. Why are why are people putting up with this economic policy when there's so it's so obvious who the winners and losers are. And well, it, well I mean, let's let's go even. Let's but I mean, the African American community, there's there's a hell of a lot of pick a number ninety ninety five percent higher of just regular people there trying to do their thing and, and raise a family. Jump. Where's where's their rights? 
let's let's jump let's jump even you know more closely to that. You guys just elected a mayor who who saw a thirty five percent increase in crime over his first month in office because he he categorically sides with the criminal element. Yeah, and I is there, I, is, I there is there money that. there? Lou, is there money there? Are they? Are the aldermen and the, and the police on? The, well, I don't think the police are the are the aldermen on the take from these gangs. I mean, you drive it. You, you can you, uh, 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 even an idiot like me can go down the street. The, the drug dealer is wearing a red a red windbreaker, so you can see him. I don't, I don't know, but you you we saw, you know. It, it, well, well, let me back up. If you are an ideologue, and you believe that that the American prison system. American criminal justice system is a pipeline to to prison and incarceration for young black men and you believe that was the reason the system was designed then then you are going to frustrate if you get into an elected position you are going to work to frustrate the ability of the system to incarcerate the the, the vic- what you see are the victims of, of American social policy so so you are not going to to empower the police to go out and pick people up you are not going to push to enforce laws that are going to result in the incarceration of more young black men i mean that was the that was the argument against the the uh gun kicker that that Rahm emanuel wanted to push for in in illinois to try to stem gun violence because he very sensibly recognized that that the issue wasn't you know that, that what you could control with respect to to gun violence in in Chicago was not the number of guns that were in that were coming in because there were so many, but you could control the shooters, and and you control the shooters by arresting them and, and putting them getting them off the street, and, and well, we don't do any of that. We you know, know well and, and a little bit I of an know, uptick lately I actually I think but well well no I mean I'm, I watch the I watch the numbers I mean you, people go out people get out on on you know five hundred dollars bond after using a, a, a gun in, a, in an armed robbery it uh, but my, my point it's not, my as, point it's not is, as simple as that Lou it's a uh, as I was sitting with a bunch of attorneys last night we actually have we Illinois has some of the toughest gun laws in the country in terms yes, of yes you do but the the trick is Chicago the, does yeah well the state does because these are these are state crimes. I mean, armed robbery is a state crime, not a city crime. Yes. But, I mean, you know, I'm not telling them what am I but saying. I mean, Chicago, Chicago has its own. Has but a, it's has all its, ab- it's all about gun it, enforcement. I know, but it's all about handing the gun to the ju- the juvenile, not being caught with the shooter, not being caught with it. It's the 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 the, the dudes have figured out how to work around the the rules pretty well. I mean, that's I, why I, I'm I'm just yeah. I'm just saying that that I read account after account after account of individuals who are committing crimes while while out on bail. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. A very yeah. low bail for being arrested for for again a gun a gun crime. Anyway. Well, you also have is, a situation the point where is nobody nobody wanted to enforce nobody in Chicago if you're an ideologue believing that the American justice system is a racist, you know, prison pipeline for young black men, you are not going to vote for a a law even if it even if it's going to reduce violence. You are not going to vote for a law or a restriction that is going to result in the police being able to lock up shooters, because in Chicago most of them are a minority. Well, there's there are people, and some of which have been on the show, there are people who believe that under virtually any circumstance of violence or whatever, if if the individual has been 
deprived, discriminated against, or whatever, somehow or another. It's not necessarily okay, but there's a middle ground there. I don't, I don't even know what the middle ground is, but it's it's somewhat, it's understandable. It's something. I, I don't I don't quite get it, but uh, well, that, I mean that's a great and, and and I can talk about that with you all day. But I mean that's that's a wonderful, you know, forty thousand foot, what I would say, academic assessment of of the issue. Except but that it does except not that, solve the problem but of if, a if guy you, walking down your neighborhood with a handgun out. But it also doesn't I mean I in the trading floor and all kinds of places you meet all, all kinds of people, right? And one of the ladies that uh there were uh, several um African American ladies who were uh, brokers. There were a lot of, the trading floor was non-discriminatory because if you were good at something somebody wanted to hire if you could make somebody money they, they didn't care what you look like I mean, it was in the economic world sometimes there is no discrimination Lou, because just because all money is the only the only thing people care about uh well the uh african-american lady that i backed as a market maker i think she might have been the first african-american market maker female um and she grew up in a whole bunch of foster homes you know what well she was the nicest most moral person i ever met so it's not like you have to turn out that way, or it's an excuse. I mean, she didn't. To this day, we're friends. I mean, she's. I mean, it's. Anyway, but I got one. Uh, here's a. Here's talk about things that happen in life. The, the passing of another thing. One of the things is things that has been unusual about the University of Notre by, Dame. By, by the way, let me let me just stop you there, and I'm going to wrap that this line of discussion right. with this problem, and and the solution you know we were talking about it where you were discussing a societal problem goes way back and one of my favorite songs out of west side story which wow. premiered in what 1959 1960 like yeah west side story do you remember the song officer krupke vaguely okay well well it ends up with this kid who's a juvenile delinquent going through the system where the judge says, you know, this is a social problem, you know, we can't do it, have the police, but the cop picks the guy up, and, and who's off, the officer Krupke is the police officer, and he, he's the local cop on the beat, and he ends up, you know, in the song, arresting this kid, who then works his way through the system, talking to social workers and educators, and, you know, the judge and everybody else, and they're all saying, okay, this is a social issue, get him to a social worker, and the last, the last part of the song is a social worker saying something to the effect of you know brings you he brings the kid to the social worker and the social worker says officer krupke you've done it again this boy don't need a job he needs a year in the pen <laughs> <laughs> well a uh, the difference is there were always you know goofball when i was growing up there were always guys that wanted to drive faster with louder cars i mean but you weren't shooting people you didn't, you didn't affect anybody else's life just by being a goofball but now you, you clearly do if you're killing people but anyway, uh, by the uh, uh, the change in the world is uh, the University of Notre Dame, unlike any school in the country, uh, up until last year, one of the inter intermural inner hall activities was tackle football. Yes, eleven man tackle football. Was it was it weight restricted? No. Okay. Was it, so you, so at, at the service academies, we used to play one hundred and fifty pound football. Oh well, yeah, well a lot of guys are over one fifty. What do they do? They don't play football. They play on. They play on another intramural team. Ah, there, okay. was a, there was a specific, a specific intramural team limited to people who weighed 150 pounds or less. Well, this you went over and got old varsity equipment, so you had pads and everything. Mm-hmm. So anyway, now they're doing some flag. But uh, yesterday, it's now been canceled, like forever, after all these years. 
was talking about the changing of an era. But it was pretty interesting when the guy wrote, wrote up why it's being uh, discontinued. One was, uh, this isn't a shot against today's youth or anything like that, but maybe maybe it is. When the truth hurts, it should. Uh, they said, well, there's been a, a lack of participation. There's a lot of kids who start to do the flag football, which is becoming very popular. By the way, that's a gr- I, I didn't play that until I was at Pullman. We always just played two-hand touch. Flag football is a great game. I don't know if I like it better than two-hand touch, but it's but it's a game, good game. They said the, one of the problems is they, they were up to 44% of the participants had never played football before. And they said the difference in skill level was dangerous. Yeah. You can't have somebody who played high school ball going up a kid who let's try this tonight. And uh, I mean, they don't know how to tackle, they don't know how to block, they don't know how to protect themselves. It's it's scary. But I remember so that, that, that's interesting because at, at the service academies, there were there were intramural tackle football, there were intramural rugby, and uh, intramural. I'm trying to think of one other intramural sport like that, a full contact kind of kind of sport. Well, and then and then um, there's intramural boxing, and I think I don't think they play fo- they, I don't think they play f- football anymore because it's um, it, it's too dangerous in terms of injuries. Well, it's, it affects, we, I mean, we it played conditioning. Uh, the last year we were in the radio. We go over a second here. The last year we were in the radio softball league right before they. There's so many stations bowed out of that. Some team gets wind of it right near there, and they, they're one of these, uh, what do you call it, a place that does games? These guys had some game that was worth a fortune, and they were you know making noise. So they had all these, I don't know, can I use the term geek? <laughs> all, these, all these geek kind of guys decided they're going to play softball. They were the nicest kids. Little they had no idea. And they, they, a couple of the girls on the team were pretty good, but the guys... Somebody whacks a line drive out to left field. The kid goes to catch it. It doesn't even touch his hands. Hits him full on the chest. And I'm going, oh, my God. That, that's going to cause one of those ventricular things like the guy in the football guy had. They, they, they had no idea. I'm thinking it was way. You, said, you almost say to these guys, you couldn't wait to get 10 runs up on them in the fifth inning without anybody getting hurt and get off the field. I, mean, I, yeah. I don't know what possessed them to think that they belonged out there. I, it's not, I mean, it's really strange to have your – is are, are are we growing up with people that don't can't do anything like this? I mean, for God's sake! Well, th- this is this is a, something an interesting comment that um, you know my son was a uh, an Air Force survival instructor for for about eight years. He did two two enlistments, and he he made some comment to the effect one time. And and in the Air Force, the survival instructors are also. Uh, you know your your uh, unarmed combat uh, instructors. So one of the things that they that they teach uh, is is how to fight hand to hand. You know, and 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 using hand to hand techniques in fighting. Um, and and one of the things that, that he noted was that a lot of guys arrive in the military having never been in a fist fight. And and. Which is really interesting, an interesting statistic. So we we should talk about that a little bit. Well, we got we got to break. SP futures down fifteen. NASDAQ futures down ninety. See if we come back a little bit. Be right back. Stacks and jacks. Wealthy, do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com/jocks. 
Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howland. on the board. SP Futures down 16. The SA Futures down 108. Uh, Dow Futures down 76. Dow Futures Dow was down a bunch yesterday. It was mostly because, because of uh, United Health was down like 35 bucks, which is 200 and some points in the Dow. It's like a seven over seven dollar multiplier. Because uh, when you see the Dow numbers, always kind of remember that it says it's a price weighted index. Over in Europe, the index down 106.6 percent. FTSE up five. Call that flat. Flat to the upside. Uh, CAC around down 55.7. Uh, the uh, ECB rate decision um, is this morning, so we'll see what's going on there if it happens during the show. Uh, we're in Asia. Nikkei down 16. Call that flat. Hang Seng up 420. Wow, it's 2%. 19,008. Uh, is, uh, the, uh, and Shanghai is up 23. So 
again, those, those guys are never in the same direction for recently for whatever reason. Yesterday, Dow was down 232. Like I said, it was almost all United Health. S&P's up three. They were up a lot more than that during the day. Came down in the afternoon as the Fed chair was talking and the rate decision. For those that didn't hear, the Fed paused, but then came out with this huge hawkish thing about maybe one or two or three more heights by the end of the year. Fact is, they paused. So uh, Nasdaq up 53.4 percent. Uh, bonds, uh, 10 years up three basis points, 3.83. Uh, the bond up six basis points, 2.51. Uh, Japan unchanged at 0.43, like they have been like for a long time. Uh, oil up 83 cents, but still under 70, 69.10. Rent up 91 cents, 74.11. Natural gas up 4 cents, 238. Arab up 2 cents, 257. Gold, whack, whack, whack. On 26 points, 1942. Uh, silver down 63 cents, 23.47. Is it constantly flies back and forth from the high 24s to the low 23s? If you just, if you love that, you probably want to buy it here. Of course. If you buy it here, it might be the one time it keeps going. Uh, copper up down one cent, three eighty-five. Uh, we've got Bitcoin, wow, down nine thirty-five. That's almost four percent, twenty-four thousand nine forty-nine. U.S. dollar, you would think it'd be all over the place, but actually it's darn near unchanged. Uh, the euro at one hundred eight and a pound at one one point two six five. So it's it's like totally unchanged here. Well, it's it's actually up, you know, five thousand. So let's call it unchanged. Andrew, what do you got for us, Trevi? Weather sports. All right, it is uh, 6.40 here in Chicago. Uh, starting off with some sports, the Pirates played against the Cubs. The Cubs won, ended their game 10-6. And the see, White Sox won against the Dodgers, ending their game 8-4. Over in Phoenix, the, uh, the, the Dynabacks lost to the Phillies, ending their game 4-3. Over to Chicago, weather is currently 63 degrees right now. Got a high of just 81 today, and that's going to hit a bit earlier, maybe around 12 p.m. or so. And things will uh, cool down after that. Maybe a slight little bit of chance of rain, too. Uh, but over in Phoenix, we're currently at 77 degrees, clear skies. They're going to have a high of 100 degrees, and that's going to hit around 5 p.m. And over to Chicago traffic. Uh, it looks like about usual today. Uh, pretty heavy if you're coming in from the uh, Kennedy Expressway. And uh, a little bit from the Dan Ryan as well. But otherwise, thankfully, no major accidents to report. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Yeah. Uh Lou, I'm gonna kind of shift. So, so let me let yeah. me. All right. I also want to don't forget we got to talk a little bit about this Ukraine offensive. But there's a headline here that I have to pick well, your me, brain let about. Let me finish up. Let yep. me finish up the, the storyline. How unusual it is for people of your and my generation to be arriving at 18 years old as males and never having been in a fistfight. Yeah, it's. I didn't have Just too many, but that. they were uh, there were some. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't have too many, but there were some. Was, but oh no! Especially if you're no, no. third or fourth I, grade, I, how do you not? Yeah, I, I, I was involved in a couple. I mean, not, not, probably not after the age of fourteen, but, but I was involved in a couple, and I mean that's that's, in my personal opinion, that was one of the most valuable things that the that the academy taught me was boxing, and I, I boxed, I boxed, uh, in, in everybody has to take a boxing class, in. Uh, your fourth class year, and then and then I boxed in intramurals, and uh, it, it it's just a standing in there and knowing you're going to get hit and learning to take a punch, and learning to learning to throw a punch, I think is one of those skills that every every male ought to be familiar with, and and you know, self defense techniques for women are crucial too. They teach that there, 
But but anyway, my my son who was teaching this course said yeah, it was really interesting because you had, you had guys who had absolutely no idea how to how to defend themselves in in a in a fight situation, and he he does. I mean, one of the things the Air Force put him through was something like uh, three weeks of you know eight hour a day MMA training Whoa. that uh, that that you know he came out of that with and, and how to instruct so. Anyway, go ahead. Well, say what is, um, well, I want to get your your uh, Fed decision thing in, in a bit, but there's a headline here: Gates to meet Z. What do we? What exactly? Well, two questions, I guess. What, what exactly does Gates think he is, or who does he think he is? But the second part is, I, I, I uh, you know, I try to, I need to broaden my horizons and read more about World War One and the Civil War and the Revolutionary War, but somehow or another, I get fixated on World War II, probably because my dad served and my uncle got killed there, so I don't know, I, I somehow get fixated on that one, plus, but uh, I, what do you suppose would have happened Lou, if if Hitler, for all the economic economic reasons, I guess, thank God just went to war maybe four or five years earlier than he should have militarily, but he did it because he was essentially broke, they couldn't keep, they couldn't keep uh, you know, pouring money into the defense if they didn't get some wealth from somewhere else, so they basically went out and took it. Uh, what did Mike Royko say? What war is? They got it, we want it, let's get it. Um, which is Something really, like that, some, yeah. It's pretty close. So, this, this this dance we're doing with the Chinese where we got so many of our big people involved up there over their eyeballs, money-wise, that they're clearly, I don't know that they're an enemy, but they're not really a friend or Oh, I think, the oh, I think if I think if you if you ask the average person in the Chinese government, they would have no problem saying they were our enemy. Okay, well then, on a scale of one to ten, then you're an eight, and I'm probably a six and a half. But you're probably right, by the way. Uh, okay, but now, so what? We're, we're, how long do we do this dance? I mean, is 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 uh, Apple and Microsoft and Bill Gates are they our real leaders when it comes to this? As long as they can make money over there. It's okay for those guys to be our enemy. I mean, where, where are we going with this? Where would we be in in 1944 if Hitler hadn't invaded anybody yet? It was clear he was going to. I'm sure the people here would have done everything they possibly could to make make a dime over there and sell the guy bullets. I mean, what do you what do you uh, do about that? I mean, what, what, I mean, you can't tell Gates not to go, but what? what I, mean, I don't know. Maybe you can. What, what is he doing? Does well, he think that his personality is going to change Z? Are we, are, we, are we that ignorant to think we're going to change these people's I minds? I don't. I don't know what Mr. Gates is trying to is trying to accomplish. Uh, I think that the biggest issue we have in confronting China right now is m- the same issue we had in confronting the Soviet Union in the nineteen the nineteen sixties and nineteen seventies, and and that is we had a significant group of people who believed that essentially the the Chinese are just like us. And they, they think the same way. And at the end of the day, you know, they love their children and we're not going to, you know, they, they, look at, they look at the world basically the way we do. And it's just a misunderstanding, you know, mainly the result of American aggressiveness. I mean, that was the, that was the theme in the, in the 70s and early 80s during, especially the nuclear freeze movement. Um, and, and, you know, those of us who, who had studied Russia and the Soviet Union for some time kept saying, you're not, you know, you don't get it, and that that's incorrect. And I think I think that that kind of naivete may be may be at the heart of what Mr. Gates is trying to do. I, I don't know, or he may just be a cold-eyed realist who says, 
I've got a gazillion dollars tied up in, in this economy, and I'm going to simply play this game of, of mollification and pacifying uh, for as long as I can so that I don't suffer finan- uh, financial disaster when, when China decides they're going to they're gonna take Taiwan. Um, the, the Chinese see us, don't, don't see us as friendly. They see us as a former colonizing power. Uh, along with the rest of the West, they see us as a, a block on what is to be their predetermined, and I, I don't use that word lightly, their predetermined rise into world dominance as the number one power in the world. The Chinese leadership has expressed this many times. Their military has expressed it, and and I don't see any reason to doubt what they're what they're saying. Um, so. I, I think, I, I mean, Mr. Gates. I, I think Mr. Gates might might be trying to, you know, maybe t- trying to walk a fine line to say, I want to keep my money. I want to keep that investment. At the same time, I don't want to. I don't want to make these people mad. I I don't know. His his actions, the Biden administration's actions, are I think totally ridiculous given given the way China has been acting with the rest of the world and with us, and so. I don't. I don't know if Mr. Gates sees himself as a, you know, the guy who's going to open up China and and get them to understand that hey, we can all coexist and make lots of money. You know, this this is a little bit like dealing with with Putin when we had this conversation. They don't see it this way. Well, they and, just opened up and, a base in Cuba, didn't they? Yeah. Oh yeah. So they don't. The, the Chinese don't don't look at it this way. They're not interested in. Why there's a there's a massive school of thought, Lord. We've gone over this. It was a long time ago. Maybe we should mention it again. There's a massive school of thought of people that I seriously have respected and still do. One of the one of the most. You, I mean, I mean, it's not like I I bring the guy up just to tell everybody I had the guy for class. But I talk about Milton Friedman all the time. I mean, I learned so much from the dude. Not just from the one class I had, but I used to, whenever he was speaking, I used to go. I mean, I'd make a trip over there and listen to the guy. Plus, he has like four books out. I read like all four of them. Uh, one of his biggest things was, it, I mean, that's why he got essentially his ass booted out of University of Chicago. Not that the place didn't boot him, but uh, the people didn't want him there as he was consulting with El Yende down in Chile. Yeah. And he and he was a, a absolute believer that everybody was sort of like us yeah. and that and that if, if economic, if you could get any kind of economic freedom, that the economic freedom would essentially trump, not Donald Trump, trump the political situation and you would end up with some degree of political freedom that eventually would be in people's best interest monetarily to get the the, the, the totalitarian regime out of there if they're we, screwing we, up business. And there's we, people that was that was the basis of our entire approach with China in the nineteen nineties, Chief. Yeah. And and, and also and, and it's our approach. Notwithstanding notwithstanding and, and I understand that. I got that. But you know, we for, for heaven's sakes, we saw Tiananmen Square play out. Yeah, yeah, we watched it. So, so the idea that we were dealing with people who were essentially like us and would would be happy to just assume a place in the world where where they played by our rules, you know, that was a mistake. And I and I thought it was a mistake at the time, but I was willing to give it a try because China's demographic situation is so dire. Well, you don't that, have to go. To, that, you don't have to go to China. You look at the economic situation in Mexico. Milton Friedman, if we could drag him out of his grave, he would say, 
hey, guess what? Wasn't I right? People in Mexico are making 25 hours an hour building Chevrolets, and they become the best customers on earth, and everybody's wealthy because of it. We'd say, no, Milty, that ain't, ain't the case. They're still no. making three bucks, and no. it's still run by the gang slash government. And, yeah, and, and the, the money, the money that you, the money that you were pumping in there in the consumer economy, has been siphoned off because they don't have a culture. Well, I um, guess the, the, uh, the big question, and we have we have enough minutes left for you to answer. The big question here is the the, the in my opinion. I haven't done the, the labor research that I probably should have. I only had a couple classes in it. These people, these people, they were no different than George Pullman and for all these other people who really thought they were essentially the cat's ass and better than anybody else, and they were going to control labor. And it was, it was, I won't say slavery, but it was some some sort of a mid-range indentured servitude in a lot of these companies. You got paid in company script, you couldn't leave the company house. You were in debt to these people the whole life. It was it was kind of slavery light or something to a certain it was economic slavery surely. They they weren't nice people. They didn't care about anybody else except for themselves. Maybe some of them even thought they were doing good by it. I, who knows? But But over a period of time people here essentially revolted in the economic area, there were a lot of union members that got a bullet, you know, or got beat up and everything by Pinkertons and people these people hired. Yet somehow or another, the American group and the British group, you know, with the Magna Carta and all those other things, there there was a, a fire in the belly or something, I don't know where it came from, the French obviously, where all of a sudden people didn't put up with it sort of anymore and really paid a huge price uh, for for turning the tables even a little bit. What and why? I guess why wouldn't the people here think that everybody else would feel the same way at an individual level? And, and despite the price, someday, somewhere, enough people in Mexico are willing to take—I'll use the term "bullet"—to get rid of these gangs once and for all, so people could live normally. Or in China, where they, obviously they're very economically—they're they're very economic. People there are very whatever the term is—they're very market-oriented. They, they, economic freedom is is their life. They've always been doing that in, in China. Why do they put up with these people? Um, I, it's harder and harder well, to organize, obviously. But I don't think and, people and can. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, part of it is part of it is is cultural. I mean, I mean, you you tap into a, a culture that that basically demands a certain amount of conformity, that demands a certain amount of regimentation, and and you have a culture that that does not. Promote the kind of what's the word libertarianism. That well, the you people see here in Tiananmen. In the States. People in Tiananmen Square certainly had balls. Well, well, and that was a small group, but but that was that was crushed, and and so the rest of the, the rest of the country looked around and said, okay, well, that was a that was a nice try, but but we're not gonna we're not gonna push back uh, again. And, and remember that Tiananmen Square revolt was a mostly college educated young cohort that it was not the kind of popular uprising that that certainly that we experienced the the, the russian the russian uh if you want to call it revolution against the communist party was was basically led by a few uh fairly powerful you know oligarchs who who were able to to you know put up you know, push up Yeltsin as the as their guy, uh, and 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 challenge a system that basically was exhausted. Um, but 
you know, China, China's the life in China has gotten better over the last 40 years. Um, if you're a Chinese citizen, you look at at, at, a, at your country and say, we're in much better shape than we were 40 years ago. I'm in better shape. We are finally asserting our position on the international stage like we should have because we are, as a culture, smarter, more long-lasting, had greater achievements early on. And the only reason we're not ruling the world right now is because of the Western colonial powers that, that subjugated us in the in the 18 and 1900s. But but it's our turn now. Lou, how, how much of it is... I use the term timing. When the, when the Brits did their thing back in the whatever ages it were, you probably could know the years I've forgotten. But when we had our revolution here, you and I were were farmers. All you had to do was basically give us a gun if we didn't if we already have one, and we were pretty much equal to a a red coat, maybe better because we knew the area better. Uh, and that was you know, and our guy, whoever was running the place was pretty good at guerrilla warfare. Didn't take long for. What do you think would happen if it would have been 100 years later where the British had tanks and airplanes and stuff? How the hell would you re- revolt? Oh, you can revolt. It, this is the stupid argument that I hear from, from people now who say, yeah, you know, you're arming yourself with an AR-15 against the government when the government's got F-15s and tanks. You think you're going to take those on. And and I'll, I'll be, I'm going to be very cold-blooded about this. You don't you don't shoot tanks. If you're in, a, in the middle of a, a revolt against against you know the power authorities here in the United States. You're not going to take on the U.S. Army with with uh, you know with your small arms. You're gonna you're not going to shoot the the tanks or the airplanes. You're going to shoot the wives and the children and the families of the people that are driving those tanks and and flying those airplanes. You're going to go into the neighborhoods where these these people live and say if you get into that tank. I'm going to kill your family. Well, Fari, I mean, that's what a civil war is. Well, Fari claims that uh, our, our long friend, old friend Fari, knows a lot about Iran. Obviously, he said the the, the government is like ninety percent of the people hate to hate them, yet they can't they can't do anything. But but the, you know every time every time you I'm, presumably every time you try to do something in Iran, you, much like any other dictatorship, you're under surveillance. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, this it's is it's not easy. That, I guess what I'm saying it's not easy. Yeah, no, this is why that women's revolt in Iran has has proved to be long lasting, but basically ineffective. And and I don't, again, you're you're tapping into a culture that that is radically different from ours. The idea that you, as an Iranian male, would allow your women to be beaten on the streets and harassed by these religious fanatics. You know, irrespective of whether you think they should be wearing a headscarf or a head covering or not, the idea that you would allow that to happen, that you would have a culture where random men just attack women for not dressing properly, that you would you would tolerate that is crazy to me. But but well, we we that is, we, we allow people culture. to drive around in cars and shoot it, shoot out the windows. And shoot, and that's right. That's another thing. That that is absolutely inconceivable. I'm sure to to I know it's inconceivable to people in Europe. Yeah, but yeah, that, that's right. Uh, so, so you, you you have to come at this from the, the cultural perspective that that says, okay, this is tolerable, this is not. I mean, to, to people, in, my friends in Canada or my friends in Europe, it's it's unbelievable that we would allow people to own guns. Yeah. Well, and, hey, uh, real, real quick, since you since you're not immune, we got a couple of minutes. What do you think of the Fed Fed's antics yesterday? I, I, am I wrong in thinking this this guy reminds me more of Pinocchio every day, Sam? And not for him; he's probably a really good guy. Uh, but how do you how do you balance all the stuff, and, and yet still the people controlling you 
are controlling you. I mean, I, first of all, who are the people controlling people here? They're not Democrats, they're not Republicans. Who the hell are they? Uh, well, you know, you know my theory on the on the deep state. Um, but but I mean, I I assume I assume the Fed is now in what they refer to as institutional capture mode, where where they've been it's been captured by you know the banking interests and and capital interests in the U.S. and and it reflects. You know, the only time it gets a phone call from the White House or the policymakers is when the inflation numbers are are politically inconvenient. Well, and, and they, uh, but I mean, we've in, in my somewhat educated opinion. I mean, maybe more than somewhat. I think these numbers have been been fooey for twenty years. They've got the numbers since the start of COVID. Uh, the total total inflation is like eighteen percent, and I'm going to say that's half the real number. How long how long how long can you do that, Lou? What are all people uh, saying? What are you doing? You you can you can do it. You can do it as long as you've got coverage in the press and coverage in you know most main mainstream and, and corporate media areas, and and a significant portion of the populace is aligned with the party that is is telling the Fed it's fine to jack those numbers around. Um, and I, I I mean I'd I'd love I'd love for a a, a nice investigative run at the at the Fed to occur either through through the Senate or the House, but well, but those guys, but those guys, they don't are simply too strong. But but then you run right into the the Trump phenomenon. Why would you Why would you have unless you can pull Dan Inouye back out of his grave? Who would you pick in the Senate or the House to have any kind of a of a of a fair investigation of anybody? I I, I see that you know you have the you have the same problem you have the same problem with. That investigation that that we've talked about with with any other, which is you know who will guard the guardians yep. themselves, you know, and and so I I don't know. I mean, one of the that are, are there honest senators? I think there are. I mean, I, I'm sure I, there are, and they and they, you, you don't even know who they are, and they they'll never be in a position where they can actually act in a way where they come up with something straight. Um, I, I mean, I look at somebody like Grassley out of uh, Iowa, who who what is he now ninety. Who who is able to give speeches on the Senate floor about about you know a variety of issues, and I think that guy's fairly trustworthy. Yeah, I mean, ne- that's why that's why they'll never they'll never give him this job. It's like Obama gave the two old we oh got to use a term for we used to use on the South Side the two old fossil face dudes uh, Simpson Bowles when they retired at like the age of 130. Yeah, and they went through and did the, a huge you know study that nobody paid any attention to it ever. What are, the, what are the guys? Uh, one of them's great line was the taller one. Those guys were great. I thought. I'm, I think they're still with us. But uh, the one guy goes, "If if this doesn't if this doesn't piss you off, we we either forgot about you or you didn't read it read the whole thing or something like that." But people are getting money from the government. Remember that line? Yeah. Yes, I do. I do. <laughs> yes. You, and, you just didn't read it all. Read it all the way you, through, you or you didn't, didn't read it all the way through, or we forgot we, about we, you. We manage. We manage to stick a knife in everybody and everybody's <laughs> sacred cow. Anyway, Lou, take care of yourself, buddy. Have a nice weekend. I don't forget. We're off Monday, Juneteenth Day, right? Roger. Uh, yeah, well, we are. I'm not. But, uh, well, no, but yeah. we, we are. SP futures up down 14. Nasdaq futures down 101. Be right back, Mr. Dan Janinas. 
This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456, that's 708-349-3456, or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com, that's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Well, we're going to play Stacks and Jacks. I'm Andrew on the board of SP Futures. Now we're down 1375. SP Futures only down 96. I think the... Uh, the world is seriously in this buy-to-dip thing. Um, and if an asteroid whacked into New York, I think we'd, we'd, there'd be buyers think that was a good thing to buy, but it's just maybe uh, watching this go up every day in a row. Dan, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing all right. What uh, what did you think of yesterday's uh, action and the, the huge rallies in the afternoon and some of the same stocks that no matter what it is, got to buy them? It was pretty interesting, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. The the, I think the action of, of actually um, not doing anything yesterday, pausing, skipping, whatever, was very significant. Um, I think the words are less significant, just as, as they say, actions speak louder than words. So the I, I agree with you, the action um, of, of pausing or holding off with any movement, first time, right, in, in 15 months. Yep. Um, I think that's significant. I think there's a, it builds credibility with the Fed. It, it was what we expected. 
Um, the words of talking about a higher terminal rate, you know, being 5.6% at the end of this year, I think that those were added to please some of the, the, um, the members um, who may have wanted a hike. So there's, you know, certainly what they're going to do is wait till the, till the additional data comes out before they do anything. But, you know, it was really United Healthcare that drove um, the Dow down yesterday. And you're right, there was a better tone. Um, there's, you know, I agree with you that this is an opportunity to buy, buy on the dip. The um, we've been buying stocks for the last few weeks and have done quite well um, on our, you know, our selection. And there's just, you know, now that we've got the debt ceiling taken care of, now that we have um, the Fed pausing, now that we have, um, you know, just a little more confidence, uh, the consumer certainly has more confidence, you know, despite some of the the issues that are going on, they're sort of old issues, right, at this point, you know, meaning the Ukraine inflation is coming under control. Um, I even observed going to the grocery store last week that, you know, prices are the lowest I've seen. Um, there are a lot of people traveling. I was over in, uh, you know, the uh, Fort Lauderdale, Boca, Miami, last uh, the last earlier this week, and there's, despite the fact that it's off season, there's a lot of activity. Um, there's, you know, there's still a price inflation. I would say that the, you know, the housing market and and food over there are more expensive than this coast. But the, but there's there's certainly a lot of activity. A lot of people spending and a lot of people still making a fair amount of money. So the baby boomer generation um, that has retired still has assets. They still have money in their, their 401ks and the IRAs. Well, the, wealth, the wealth is- With a lot of equity. Well, the wealth has blown up dramatically. And it's- Yes. I mean, uh, and, and we, I talked yesterday, I'm not gonna do it again, but I went through a whole routine about if, if you believe in any kind of economic theory where things go to equilibrium, <clears throat> And uh, over a long period of time, if there's enough competition in every area, you should never be amazingly favored being an asset owner versus a renter. I mean, the Fed's actions of the last really 30 years have totally turned economic competition in this country upside down, I think. I mean, the idea now, if you're an asset owner versus a lessor, I mean, versus a lessee, you're you you you've you've come out on top of this one dramatically. It's at a point where I don't think that it's not totally driven this way. I mean, a, a stock owner clearly is has been has been favored ahead of anybody who does anything else. I mean, and you've got. I mean, and by the way, your words of last week, I pretty much have talked about all week with every other guest, and they. How can I put this? They think you're absolutely correct, even though they absolutely can't stand the fact that it is it is the truth. That the, that, the, that, yeah. the, that the Fed has essentially said, we haven't had a revolution yet. Nobody's got a water balloon upside the head. People must be comfortable with this stuff. If you show a picture of a restaurant, it's full. You don't show a picture of the one yeah. across the street that's closed. As long as, as, long as you keep your, 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 your vision narrow. Yes. You're, that's very everything, everything looks spectacular, and, and, the, and the wealth value is going up of the people that we really care about. And banks somehow are still not paying any interest, the big banks. Somehow or another, all the people we really report to are damn happy. So everything must be okay. But you know what? I don't think it is okay. But then again, nobody cares about the people that I care about. So I guess that's that's the issue. They don't. Well, I, I mean, you do. They don't. They You do. 
there is a balance you know there is a there, the, you know we always have a good market environment uh tom right when there's there's differing opinions and, and you're right i think what you're getting to is just sort of the media's um, what they're putting out there. So whether it's happening, what it, whether it's happening on the political side or the economic side, I tend to rely. I mean, I, I watch Bloomberg every day, but I tend to rely on um, local uh, press that, believe it or not, I think does a better job even with economic issues. Our local news was, you know, talking last night in a very uh, middle of the road um, way about, um, you know, the issues with um, some of the political issues, but also the issues with the Fed move. It, I thought it was ha handled very well to explain what was going on to to the listener who is is just you know not somebody in our industry, and I think that you can get caught up in the talking heads going in all different directions about what's happening and the rate cuts and the you know the pivots and all this other stuff and and I think you really have to keep things simple. This is one of those situations where you got to just follow. You've got to keep your eyes open to what you're seeing. You've got to watch actions and not words. And I do think the Fed came in with, um, you know, some words that that may have concerned people. But the one thing that Powell said, and he has continued to say, and I agree 100%, is that getting inflation down is a long and slow process because we have so much money in the system, because hotels and planes are packed this summer. There's, there's, there. It's going to take a while, and it, you know, I think the fact that they. One thing that he mentioned yesterday was there's the amount, like where does the terminal rate come out, but then there's also the time it takes to get there. And I think that second piece is really significant. It's gonna take longer, it's not gonna be a quick fix. Part of the reason for that is there is still a lot of money in the system, and part of the reason for that is a lot of people are working. You know, the unemployment has gone up a tiny bit, but it's still historically very low. There's still a lot of companies um, who are looking for work. I'm in the middle of a two-day conference. Um, we had eight meetings, one-on-one -on -one meetings with companies, mostly smaller cap. And most of those companies said that they are still struggling to find talent, especially the manufacturing companies that need engineers. Oh, yeah. They, they, if you're in that, that group, you're, you're starving for people. Yes. And so they're having to pay up or, you know, in some cases they're actually – you know, their issues of, of being able to keep up with demand are, are, you know, they're really struggling. So we have some really great ideas that I'm going to meet, mention next week on the equity side. Great. Some of these names I just am absolutely impressed with. Um, one company is run by a guy from Boston that, you know, it's, it's you know, it seems like he's he's one of the, he could write a book on, on management. Um, and there's just some industries that I think look really good right now. There's a lot of funding that went into infrastructure that is just now being spent. Dan, what are you? A lot of, back back yeah. up, back up, just a hair. What? Um, I, I well, I, not at the same level of people you're talking to, but I get a pretty good microcosm of this because my uh, <clears throat> I've mentioned before my nephew's in the steel service business, and in Chicago, you know, they're all of a sudden they're they're real busy because because some some stuff a little bit has come back from China, but also. Uh, the, just the uh, lack of any kind of maintenance and everything during the COVID and everything, just repairing machines that you know are. I mean, it's there, there's stuff going on, but there's I can't I can't really describe it, Dan. Maybe you can because you were very eloquent last week. There's kind of a disbelief on the future. There's 
yes, we're gonna put a, we're gonna put a sign in the window. We need a, an inspector. They happen to need an inspector, or we need a machine maintenance guy, or something, something. Or you'll they'll bitch about it. nobody show up against the door with those kind of credentials. Uh, but nobody really is willing to say this is a long term thing. We're gonna get a couple guys here. We're gonna pay up, and we're gonna train our own people because we really believe that ten years from now. We're going to have 30% more people working here, and we want them trained. It, they're, they're, no, they're you not, are right on the money. No, you're 100% correct on that, Tom. And, and I actually, the company that I'm talking about, which I will mention next week, um, they are, you know, they are hiring, you know, they, the, what their work does is involves a, a trade, it's, you know. And I says, well, what about all the trade schools, you know? And the guy starts laughing at me. He goes, Dan, they're not around anymore. We train our, we hire people, train them our own way, and we are long term. We're looking at this in the long term. So it's precisely what you're saying. He's he's a he's a rarity. He's a but rarity. He's a rarity. That's why I think it's such a great investment. But I bet you're talking about a situation where, in this, I mean, in, in this area, I mean, you're not as familiar, obviously not as familiar with Chicago as I am. Next time you're in town, if you want a really boring rights, really bad neighborhoods, I can take you by what. They used to remember what the Frank Sinatra song. There used to be a ballpark there. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, I could say well, that that was remanufacturing. That was American Can. That was this guy. That was that guy. These guys had a thousand jobs. These guys had twelve hundred jobs. I mean, every everybody who's been in that business, Pullman. You know, got you know, how can I lose them? Anybody who's seen that happen here, you know, South Works, all the places that were around South Works that took the steel and stamped them and dug for people. It's been nothing but a decaying disaster for 50 years and now we have an uptick and we, we want to bring stuff back here and by the way uh, we, we decide maybe we actually need some of this stuff and we'd like to have it done here done properly and at reasonable prices which we can do uh, it's actually you and I would love to see this happen but I don't know that you go out and say Chicago is going to be a manufacturing mecca 30 years from now who the hell would believe you and, and, and you know, I, I, I don't totally agree with you on the competitive side because I do think somebody smart is going to step in and say, here's an opportunity, and it's going to happen once we see a continued decline in an industrial space or when the cost of building, you know, the cost of, the cost structure comes down. Um, some smart people are going to step in and see the opportunity, and they're not going to be strictly focused on, say, clean energy. They're going to be focused on basic materials that need to but, supply, you know, the world, really. I mean, to I, I, supply uh, but the flip U.S. The bu- fl- flip the bus around, Dan. Um, you know, I never, I never asked none of my business, but if, if you had young Dan uh, or Joe, or what's the, what's the big word now? Everybody names their kid Aiden or something. What's the number? Or Noah? Those are the two big names. Anyway, so young, so young, young Noah Janitas says, yeah. he says, you know what, Dad? Instead of uh, going to uh, finance school, I'm going to go learn how to be a a machine mechanic because look at all these guys are making they're hiring yes. people for you know 100 grand a year and it's it's what I really like to do and everybody's going to get a pension and it'll be like the old days you're going to go I don't see you doing this 35 years now what's the matter with you I mean you're going to you're probably going to say that Dan even though we hope he's right and that you know we're still doing this stuff and there will be things for him to do and there's always going to be machines there's always going to be products but I don't know why, where were you would ever get that confidence in this area. I mean, one of the guys we, uh, got the kids, talk about a wacko story, Dan. One of the guy's grandkids that plays softball on Sunday morning with us is, uh, uh, he, he was coming out there when he was 12 years old, right? He couldn't really play ball, but 
And when he got to 13, all the old guys would let him run the bases. When they got to first base, they'd say, courtesy runner, and he'd run, right? Real nice kid. It turns out now he's a really good ball player. It's years later. But uh, he's going to diesel mechanics school. My brother's like, what the hell is he doing? The whole world's trying to put diesels out of business. You know, I mean, you just, you just wonder, when he's 60, is he going to be one of these guys sitting around with nothing to do? I don't think so. I think that some of the skills that he has will be transferable, and there's still going to be a need for, um, you know, just if the equipment sh- shifts from diesel to, to EV, he still will understand the equipment. It's just a question of, of updating it. And, you know, I think it's a skill that's invaluable and, and good for him for, for you yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, going. I'm just saying it's it, the, the history but of I it see, is, is it's yeah, done nothing but go downhill on a personal and business level for 40 yeah, years. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying that there, you know, why in the same, you know, the same argument would be why to invest in a mature industry. Yeah. You know, we were, we were looking at, um, you know, Pitney Bowes and we actually, that was one of the companies we met with. And I was thinking maybe not the stock, but the bonds. And if you know them, they're the, the pre, they do pre-sorting and they do, um, you know, delivery, uh, global e-commerce, you know, mail, they did a lot of the equipment for mail and, and it is a declining industry. It's a, it's a mature industry. And I don't see a whole lot of upside. You know, the bonds may be okay, but even the bonds, at some point, you're right. You can see a, uh, you know, a date in the future where this is where they're just gonna, you know, they'll be a dinosaur, and they're, unless they really change their business model. So I, I do agree with you. I think staying in the places where you can look long term, but maybe just being kind of old-fashioned and traditional in the investment world and being a long-term player. I do see, you know, certain industries. For example, you were talking about steel, and you know, healthcare, and um, some industries are going to be. And most basic materials are still going to be around years from now, and you still need people who understand them. And engineer, and you know, somebody with an engineering background that has skills in the automotive industry can transfer those skills to other to uh, other industries. So there's a you know, it's just being in the right place at the right time. But I, but I think the most important message is just looking at the long-term investment, and whether it's the investment like the investments we make, you know, in stocks and bonds, or it's the investment that a younger person makes in their career. Um, I, you know, I think that's important. And I think the problem is that so many people have become short, so short-term focused in both things, right? So they're short-term focused in their investments, thinking, okay, this is a great idea. I particularly shy away from those technology names because there's, you, you know, the technology will become a trend and then, it, and then it'll be ancient, like a couple of years from now, right? So I do think going back to those basic materials and those, those industries that have been around forever and ever, and that will be around forever and ever, they may be boring, but they have really good free cash flow and you know if you buy them on the bond side they're you know they're money good and you know that there's going to be a certain part of your portfolio at least our portfolio because we're we're income driven that is core and that is stable what do you uh what do you make of the long term when i say long term uh you know for our clients and we have some of the same ones that everybody i hope knows and by the way we could use a few more (laughs) um always use a few more of, of the right kind of people let's put it that way uh yeah, what what do you make of? I mean, we have managed to we collectively because you're the one who's been driving the bind ship. Uh, we've done pretty well for people by getting them the best. I think in the last few months and in fixed income by staying short-term treasuries. But are we going to be fighting 
this game forever where somehow or another there's just negative interest rates uh, because combination, let's just say we're not totally truthful with the CPI number. In other words, does anybody really believe that this guy is going to get interest inflation down to zero to where you and I are happy with a 3.8% 10, 10-year rate? I don't see that happen at all. Do you? I mean, what? I mean, I, where 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 are we going to come to what you and I would consider equilibrium, or is this the new equilibrium? Negative intra- interest rates for savers forever. Some people borrowing under the inflation rate, and the rest of people getting fleeced on interest through credit cards and God knows what. Is is that is that the future of this country? I think I might be a little more optimistic. I think we're going to see real rates uh, track up um, over time. I hope it's, you're right, buddy. I hope you're right. Yeah, is, I think we're going to see real rates because that's what happens. Like for for a bond guy like me, that's been seeing these cycles. That's generally what happens at this at this stage in the cycle. And I don't see anything. I mean, I, I'm optim, I'm definitely optimistic about that. Um, so I wouldn't be too concerned, um, you know, in terms of thinking that we're not going to have that. Also, like as I mentioned, the last few weeks we've stepped in um, buying some stocks. One name I will mention. HCA, I think it's up 20, 20 points since we purchased it a few weeks ago. Oh, good for you. Nice, nice, solid company. You mentioned another company that we took a small position in as well, 3M. And I, there's a, you know, once these names, um, you know, now that these names have sold off or look look cheap, we also can see not necessarily huge growth, but, but we can see these cyclical names sort of coming back in favor because they've sold off. So this is the time to now start diversifying back into the equity market. Um, there is up, there are opportunities if we see rates going a little higher for for a guy like me who does income, love it, you know, because now yeah. we're going to see a little more yield. So, you know, we we're getting um, we talked about T bills. I mean, we we're still getting on five or six month T bills. We're getting five thirty, five point three, five point four. So those are pretty decent yields on the on that end, and then. Um, I mentioned this one name and I'll mention it again because we've done a large amount of research on them. Uh, one main financial and they have nine month bonds that are yielding more than 7%. Well, if you, re- I don't know if you remember Tom, a company called commercial credit. Oh yeah. Yeah. So this is the old commercial credit. It's the old city financial. It's, it's the consumer, basically the consumer arm um, of, of um, Citibank. So the we've talked about these bonds before. It's a name people don't you know. It's not a household name. One main financial, but they're six and an eighths. They mature on three fifteen twenty twenty four, and you can get them for more than seven percent. And I'm not going to use the word guarantee, but I'm going to say we did a lot of homework, and these bonds are money good. And the uh, what's, what's the symbol? That, what's the symbol? O M F. Is the is the uh, symbol, but we're talking about bonds. The bonds that mature in 24, March 15th of 24, and the coupon, the interest is is six and an eighth, and you can now buy them at seven percent. I mean, we were buying them at nine percent not long ago. Where, where would the where would the world of of bond ratings put these guys? Are they investment grade? They're not investment grade. They're they're they're. Uh, single double, like double B, but a strong, I would say a very strong high yield name. But the most important thing when we're analyzing bonds, corporate bonds, is whether they can pay their interest in, in um, principal at maturity. And these guys absolutely can. There's no question in my mind that they have the, the cash to do that. They're, um, there's a fair amount of liquidity. 
they they want to keep their credit rating because if they lose that they're going to go downhill so they're at double b right now and if if they lose that credit rating that's going to hurt their business but one thing that's helping their business is that they provide consumer loans to individuals who wouldn't na- wouldn't normally have access to capital and they're high rates but, but a lot of these individuals don't have a choice the banks are not lending to them they're not lending to a lot of people credit is tightening so it's created an opportunity for this organization that you know has been around for a long time if you go back to the days of commercial commercial credit and it's well managed and I, I say this is a layup you know every so often you get a layup and why not collect your seven percent for the next nine months well what uh, when, when you now how does a firm like this just technically uh, the, the say the bonds coming well it's coming to March of 24 right so it's next year now do they have some sort of an internal sinking fund do they are they putting away money or are they assuming they can issue new bonds to cover or I mean are they or can they just write the check for the whole amount out of petty cash I mean where, where are they do you think where, where are most people not just them but where are most people in these these yeah, things so it, it partially depends on the industry and you know we've done a fair amount of homework we've met with management several times they do have the cash um, they do have the cash right now to pay them off um, they have other bonds that mature in you know 25 27 but but we're really just concerned about these bonds we're not looking out that far um, they have the um, it's a very high cash flow business their margins are improving just because when rates go up this is one of those businesses that actually benefits because they can take a wider spread on on what they're um, getting from their customers and what they're paying so it's 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 you know they're kind of in the sweet spot right now but yes they have the cash and that's what gives us and they'll have more cash and they've already basically told us that that that's a done deal they don't want to lose their credit rating and if they were to default this company would probably go out of business and by the way uh, european anything. central bank just raised rates by 25 basis points oh this did that just came in yeah so i don't know what that, yeah, what that means good or bad but i was I was talking to one of my best buddies who who ran uh, an international uh, equity fund for Wellington for years, and he um, said that you know generally Europe is not going to be as volatile as say the U.S. or Asia. The the their, the viewpoints towards the markets are quite different for for your average European investor or even your institutional investor over there. So they don't have that same, uh, they tend to follow us, but they don't have, you don't see that level of volatility and that crazy, you know, momentum and, and you know, that the, the extremes of the greed and fear. They look at it, you know, they're a little more moderate in their investing styles. They're not looking to score home runs. They're, they're, they're seeing it as a, you know, a little more long-term. Well, the, um, the vase are, the vase are different. It's those st- yes. The stacks yes. are much more institutionally held. I mean. When yes. John and I were given lectures in Europe in 1991. Some companies were 85 percent owned by banks. I mean, here the the, yes. the 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 incredible. This is the video game for how many how many rich old retired people to sit out right. all day long. And if you see stock going up, they run in and buy it through Robinhood and think they're getting free commissions. I mean, it's 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 like 1929 if you're a New Yorker or only on steroids. Right. Yeah. No. You're absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. It's it's. Um, and it's it's I guess that's what makes our markets fun, right? It makes it interesting and, yeah. and makes you uh, you got to keep both eyes open. But it's that's what you know a lot of people enjoy doing that, um, you know, looking at it as uh, 
an opportunity for more upside. We're talking about volatility. Those guys, what do you suppose a bond that they bought at a negative one and a quarter percent interest rate, and now they're two point six? They what do you think they paid? One fifty, and it's now trading what seventy? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty extreme. I mean, they really got hit, especially Germany. You know, they got hit pretty bad. We're, you know, fortunately, like I said, I think we're still the leader. Not think. I know we're still the leader. Yeah. And I know that we're still the the market that the rest of the world looks at. And despite some of the criticism we receive, uh, we're this is we've been doing this for a long time, and we do have a capitalist um, society. You know, we do. You work harder, you make more. Um, we do have people who are willing to take a little more risk um, in the market, and that's what makes our market, um, you know, very unique. And I and I really don't think there's any other market in the world that has the same. Oh, I, I would I would agree. I, the only thing that real last we'll talk about this more next week, but I'm getting this real weird, real idea that central banks around the world. I was looking at the European money supply yesterday, which of course I never should have. Uh, it's just as bad as ours in the last three years in terms oh. of. I mean, are, are we are we really are we really trying to inflate or def, inflate our currency to such a inf, have inf, deflate the value of the currency to such a huge extent that ten years ago when they finally pay people back it's worth half as what when they borrowed it from you? It looks like that is the theme here worldwide. It, it is. There's no question it is. So the the you know when we've had that we've had this continuous um, run although day to day it you know you. It's. I think it's hard to make money in look, looking at currencies day to day, but oh, longer term, absolutely. That's been the, that's been the part of the uh, goal. Well, how do you uh, how do you reconcile again? I, I lied. This last question. How do you reconcile the Fed telling you that there's uh, no inflation or it's it's getting under control and it really wasn't bad to begin with, uh, which is really what they're telling you, and every every headline every day that says go buy this stock because their margins are increasing. Doesn't that mean they're raising prices? Well, no, you know, it, you know what it means is that their costs are coming under control. Uh, well, that's that's one way of looking at it. But yeah, <laughs> that that would be the the more charitable way of looking at it. But uh, yeah, I got the glass but, half full. I'm, I'm an investment guy that has an optimistic outlook. Well, you know, yeah. good stuff, Dan, as usual. But yes, I think some are 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 benefiting benefiting from more stable environment and and lower um, costs. Well, one of these days, I hope we can get off this. Uh, uh, this this six month treasury stuff, even though it's worked well, I mean, I'd like to see us do uh, some of the stuff you're doing more of. I mean, regular companies, I'd rather invest in companies than I am in a treasury. But right now, it's you know, it's worked out great, Dan. And thank you for that. Uh, SP yeah. futures up. I'm sorry, down sixteen. I'm so used to saying up, Dan. Down sixteen or seventeen. NASDAQ futures down one hundred four. Uh, be back in a minute with Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everyone. Stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Andrew. We're on the board. SP futures down 1775. Nasdaq futures down 103. Uh, we've been this way pretty much all morning. We had a couple of attempts to rally, but then the European Central Bank just came out and raised their rates 0.25%, so they kind of kicked us back down here a little bit. Uh, Dow Futures down 78, but compared to the rallies the last two weeks, three weeks, uh, it's not much, uh, at least not yet. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 108.7%, the FTSE up 7.1, which is a lot. Kakaron down 639 uh, so they're two down and one, I'll say, flat up a little bit. Over in Asia, Nikkei down 16, call that flat. Hang Seng up 420, 2%. They've been getting clobbered, but now they're bouncing back up. Shanghai up 23.7. Uh, Hong Kong jumps 2%. Uh, whatever, I don't know why they, well, I don't know why they've been down so much. So I guess I don't know why they're up. Uh, yesterday, Dow Jones down 232. That was almost all United Health. Matter of fact, it was probably was all United Health. S&P was up three. Nasdaq up 53. So kind of very volatile day with the Fed announcement and uh, with Powell talking. Uh, the bonds up one basis point, two, 3.81. Uh, the bond up eight, 2.53. So that spread is narrowing a little bit. Uh, Japan un, unchanged at 0.43. Oil 
Uh, a little bit of a rally, points up 65 cents, but still under 70 by a lot. Well, somewhat of a lot. 68.92 to Brent up 70 cents, 73.90. Natural gas up six cents, 240. Our Bob up two cents, 257. We've got gold. It was getting whacked earlier. It's getting whacked more. Uh, down 30 bucks, 19.38, which is kind of surprising because the dollar's not moving at all. At least it wasn't. Silver down 81 cents, 23.29. Copper unchanged, 386. Bitcoin, a wackage here too, down over a thousand now. It's almost four percent. 24869 uh, The U.S. dollar is, is moving a little bit now. It's actually going down uh, compared to the... Uh, I'm sorry, it's going up, going down compared to the euro. 1.08 unchanged against the pound because the euro was the one interest rates move. So we're almost up to 109 on the euro, which is... Uh, it's got to be a 2 2.5% move in the last week. That's a huge move in a, in a currency. Andrew, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? All right, it is 7.38 here in Chicago. Uh, starting off with some sports and some baseball. Uh, yesterday, the Cubs beat the Pirates 10-6. And the White Sox beat the Dodgers 8-4. Over in Phoenix, the Diamondbacks lost to the Phillies 4-3. Over to Chicago weather, it is currently uh, 67 degrees. We have mostly sunny skies. We're going to have a high of 81 today, and that's going to hit around, around 12 p.m., and a slight, slight chance of rain uh, throughout the later afternoon. Uh, but over to Phoenix, uh, they're at 77 degrees. they got clear skies. They're going to have a high of 100 today, and that's going to hit around 5 p.m., so a bit later. Uh, now, finally, for Chicago traffic, looks to be nearly the same as our first hour. Uh, yeah, it looks like some pretty heavy, heavy traffic if you're coming in or coming out uh, on the Kennedy Expressway. Uh, same thing now for the, I believe, the Stevenson. Uh, yeah, experiencing pretty heavy delays on both sides, uh, also with the Dan Ryan. However, thankfully, still no accidents to report on these major expressways. So that's all I got. Back to Thursday is the big day. It's the new Friday. Yes, it is. The, uh, do we have Mr. Flanagan? Good morning, Tom. How are you? What do you What do you think of all the news that's fit to print today? Was it uh, What was that? Was that the uh, the plane that dealer? Was, uh, what was it? Oh, uh, what was all the news that's fit to print? This. <laughs> I, I don't remember now. I got too many news papers in my database brain. Um, I thought it was the uh, I thought it was a Cleveland plane dealer, but maybe not. Uh, you know what? I'll, I might I might search for that. What? Not uh, the New York Times. I don't think. Uh, no, I'm. Well, I'm because I, whatever it was, I always corrupted it to say all the news we see fit to print. <laughs> uh, whatever yeah. it was, I didn't trust. I know that. Here it is. It comes right up here. All the news that's fit to print. You are you are correct, sir. Adolph S. Oaks. Oaks, you know, yeah. The owner of the New York Times created the fo- for famous slogan, all the news that's fit to print. Yeah. Which still like appears today. It's like democracy dies in darkness on the Washington Post that said. Yeah. Um, it's a... Uh, other other laughable advertisements. Yeah, other laughable. Well, you know, we have a we have a, we have a world that is uh, uh, kind of in a, a, an interesting state. We everybody everybody feels that they can break every law they feel like, traffic and otherwise, and yet they think everybody else shouldn't. We have a we have odd places. Everybody can cheat on their taxes, but other people shouldn't. I mean, it's uh, I don't know where we got like this, John, but we we are heading. I don't know if we are necessarily like that. Everybody clearly we're not, but. Well, it's funny, Tom. I was just reading a piece from the American Spectator of last week or the week before by Jack Cashel, who writes about race issues in the American Spectator. He's written a couple books on it. But he talks about Michelle Obama's hypocrisy on white flight. And 
it kind of it describes something that you know kind of shows what a missed opportunity the Obama presidency really was for healing racial division. But when Michelle Obama was growing up, her, she was living in Parkway Gardens, 63rd and King Drive, which is one of the most violent blocks on the South Side, probably then as well as now. And parents didn't want her or her brother going to those schools, which were in their district. So they, you know, enrolled her in uh, Bryn Mawr Elementary in South Shore, broke the law going out of district and, and drove her back and forth out of district to attend that school for two years. And then they finally moved into that district and she ended up finishing there and went to Whitney Young and her brother went to Mount Carmel High where I did too. But, you know, she never missed an opportunity to bash um, whites who were leaving their neighborhood because they didn't want to send their kids to those schools or, you know, confront the crime that was, you know, hurting Michelle Obama as a child, which is why her parents moved her and their kids out of there. I give them credit for doing that, but she doesn't extend the same courtesy to whites. Um, so, you know, I, this is all part of, I think, the larger picture here of making people, you know, embarrassed to be white and, you know, not, to, you know, to confront the blacks have done the same thing for years and nobody calls them on it and nor, nor should anybody. I'm not saying that they should be criticized. Most of the students that now, I did had, she have a did she have an aunt or somebody that they could give the address over there like you had to do to play basketball and stuff? Probably. To or they or they paid off. Who well, no, knows? You know, my, my experience has been that people just keep a fake address, you know, or some relative or cousin um, that will vouch if, there, if it ever becomes an issue. And I, I don't think they were ever too careful in tracking this stuff. They probably, I don't know if they're any better at it now than they ever were. Um, because there's always been kind of, you know, I, and I've experienced it around here. I've been asked by neighbors who live across the street in a different elementary district to use my address for their children. And I've said, I'm sorry, no. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. You know, it, it, I don't have children, so I, I mean, this is something I would have considered when I was buying a house. But I don't believe in this kind of fraud, which is what it is. And it's a misdemeanor; it's a crime. Um, but it's you know, I, I'm, I'm saying that you know there were extenuating circumstances for Michelle Robinson Obama's family to do this. But you know, she has no business criticizing whites. Well, we were very. We horses. were very, we were like people on the trading floor. I mean, that's how it got that way, uh, Jan. If you were in a, a certain district, you were you were locked in. But you could also, I mean, the the Catholic schools had boundaries. Oh, yeah, parish boundaries. Yeah. And, so, I mean, and, and those were broken, too, in my recollection. Boy, they were not, hey, but in our area, I don't think. If you, if you lived across 99th Street, which would be in St. Bernadette's, and you wanted to go to St. John Fisher, it was pretty full up. I think the answer was new. New. And even if you could play football, they nobody cared. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't, that was that was harder to, go, to do than do the uh, public schools. But it, became, it became fairly common when I was getting ready to graduate from St. Felicitas Grade School in Avalon Park, because just west of the Illinois Central Tracks, which were the western boundary of the parish, um, were two parishes, St. Francis de Paula and St. Joachim both of which had schools and they were still functioning at the time. Um, and there were still, you know, whites living on the other side of the train tracks, although in lesser numbers every year. Um, but, you know, all of a sudden some of these children started showing up in my grade school. They were perfectly good kids. Um, I'm sure there had been some deal struck where they, they paid a different tuition rate because they were out well, of the Well, there must have been something. I'm going to say, with St. John Fisher, and one, they, had, they had four classes of 42 kids a class in every grade. They didn't... 
listen, he wanted is anybody from out of the area. And right. Well, getting, and things are different at St. Felicitas because the neighborhood was yeah, changing yeah. and they were losing students all the years, you know, every year. So I can I can see why in, in a situation like that, um, the Catholic school system would be advised to keep some of these families within the system, even if it meant transgressing restriction. You know, in better times, you couldn't just you know decide to go to a school of your choice and, and send your child there. But that's all gone now because yeah. parish boundaries don't seem to mean very much for those. No, well, just neither do the public school boundaries. Pretty much go where you right. want. What's right, a, and what it's, what, it's, what it's really done is it's it's made in the case of the public schools. I mean, it's, it's driven the, the poor schools even farther into the ground. Because well, if the smart kids end up going to Whitney Young or, or Peyton right. or uh, they opt out yeah. as, at, at, yeah. the, at the soonest opportunity, and you know, and the. I mean, Brandon Johnson has tacitly omitted this when he reminisces about his brief teaching career, um, how there were good schools and bad schools, and he was at what was perceived to be a bad school, but it was never about making that school any better. <laughs> oh, no. It was just about, well, this is the way it is, you know? And I, I think people have realized that that's kind of the way, you know... Well, there's, the there's, there's, how, there's how many of these schools now? There used to be... Whitney Young was the first magnet school, right? And then there was... a. Uh, Peyton was a whole new school that was built, correct? Then there's this the Jones North down here. Northside Prep. Northside Prep, and then, then Lindblom became one. Lindblom, Lane Tech, all these. I mean, they were, yeah. Which, I mean, the tech schools were always, um, I mean, they, they had a district too, but Lane Tech has not, like Lindblom, because, you know, there's people, I think, going from all over the South Side and probably beyond. To oh, yeah, Lindblom is a high end deal. Yeah. I mean, uh, our friend uh, Jean knew the uh, principal there pretty well, and she would recruit. Uh, kids from there to go to Michigan. Yeah, and it's it's it, you know, as as good as the school system can be in Chicago or individual schools can be, um, it helps if you have some kind of academic standards for the admission of students. Well, I'm yeah. not saying that this this deserves everybody who isn't in those upper echelons academically or who had to go to a poor elementary school. So what, so what happens? Uh, now Audrey went to Kelly. Um, and but at that time, she said they had so many kids in Kelly. I mean, Maris was such a an armed camp compared to, compared to. I mean, everybody showed up at eight, everybody left at three ten. And if you tried to go across campus, it was we, we like leave, leaving a concentration camp. Everybody'd see you, the only guy out there. It, would, it could not have happened, right? Oh yeah, you'd be you'd be jugged at Mount Carmel. Oh god, yeah. Off campus. Oh yeah. So I mean, I don't know anybody. Anybody ever walked out of the building between eight and three? Except if you wanted for <laughs> recent, you know, lunch, you walked out to get a fresh air for twenty minutes. But no, no playtime at Mount Carmel. Oh god, no, no. But but Audrey said they had fresh classes. Air, forget that stuff. Though. Well, she said they had classes from seven to five. I mean, there were so many kids. And she was in like the honor college prep, whatever we used to call it. She said she'd have a class at you know seven, and then she'd have another one at eleven, and one at one, and maybe one at three. And people were coming and going all day long. I mean, I I I, I never had that experience at all. Did you? No, and you know that was the, kind of the, the the pattern because when neighborhoods started to swell their population, and there was you know a building boom, and um, you know enrollment was also growing. These schools had you know mobile units set up all over the place. Even the Catholic schools, when they get an enrollment crunch, they'd have to like build temporary classrooms or haul them in by trailer and dump them in the parking lot. Those uh, um, I, cl- I, I clean I clean many of those, Jen. Yeah, and, and this is you know how they, they were all they were always a bleephole because the teachers, if the principal didn't walk by, back when people cared about the principal. It was they were always dirtier in the regular classrooms. I hated those things. 
Yeah, I ne- luckily I never had to attend classes in any of them. My sister did. I well, they were air conditioned, so that, that was yeah. a plus. I mean, when, they, when, when the buildings weren't, so they were at least air conditioned. Wouldn't it be nice um, if we had a school system where people were dying to get in, and you didn't have to commit fraud to go to a school? Yeah, you could be proud to have on your, your diploma. Uh, it, this is all you know. We've just abandoned people who don't have that kind of structure at home who would make those sacrifices like Michelle Obama's parents did a driver back and forth for two years to a school a couple miles away. I, you know, you would like all parents to feel that if, if you know they didn't have to do that, they've got other things to do with their life, like working and supporting their families and putting food on the table. Um, they shouldn't have to do that, but clearly her parents felt justifiably forced well, they to were, do they that. Were, they were Serious parents, seriously, parents, seriously yeah. into education, all that kind of stuff. And uh, like I said, it's it's not the neighborhood you live in, it's not the color you are. But the question is, today, if people are shooting down her street, would nobody care? Like 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 seemingly happen right now. I would I would hope that the that the, area, hope not. the area wouldn't put up with it. Speaking of, it, home, I had a, it, it, one it of the shows uh, bad system we've got time where people are really you know the only way you can adapt to the system is to do an end run around it. And if everybody does that, of course, that you know, there's there is no system as such. It's just catch as catch can. Whichever school fills up first, you know, everybody else is SOL. I, I don't. That, why is that publicly funded? Yeah, I don't. That stuff is that. I was uh one one of my summers at the or some winters at Notre Dame, uh, came home for for Christmas break, and of course I got my my job at the school board as a janitor. Well, I ended up at uh, you ever hear of a place place called the King Vocational? It was Harrison and Western. It's been it's been down forever. Harrison and Western, and it was the freshman year because there was a big overflow at uh, Harrison High. Yeah, and, and uh, so they they sent the a chunk of the freshman kids there to this place. Well, Janet was so old it still had the coal furnace where the where the firemen had to you know, get there at like four. In the week that I was uh, well, the three weeks I was there, it might have ducked above zero. <laughs> like four or five of the days it, so the guy says to me by the way you got to be here at like 5 a.m and i'm going okay <laughs> it, you know it's a long way from where i lived and uh down well it's not western ever there's nobody up at that hour but so it's freaking cold every night i'm getting up at two o'clock throwing the charger on the old car to make sure it started right because literally they gave me the key for the burglar alarm so the the fireman would be there at 4 30 but he just let himself in the back door and he's just getting the fire going and uh, my job was to go, the burglar alarm was out on one of these mobile home, mobile units. So I'm creeping around this parking lot in this horrendous neighborhood. And the guy goes, you have no idea how lucky you are that it's this cold. That's <laughs> why you're here. Because nobody was out. I, mean, I, don't know what, I don't know if I wanted that job, you know, uh, in a, certainly not in May. <laughs> uh, but I, I thought the, the whole cold, the whole coal burning thing was fascinating. I mean, for those... That, that don't know the entire thing was run by high pressure. It looked like the inside of a of an old ship, where all the pumps were were steam pumps. There was steam running all over the place, and it, it was pretty fascinating. I mean, uh, uh, as time went by, if one of the pumps conked out, they might replace it with an electric pump. But most of them were still all steam. And the guys there and the thing, you know, you see the thing pumping away. You go, God, this is whoever whoever designed this. This is pretty neat. <laughs> But, uh, boy, talk about they danger. Have, they have stokers for the coal town? Oh, no, he had to be a fireman. Well, he had the guy to reach in with the thing and keep turning it. Yeah. And he had his outfit that he left there because it was nothing but coal dust all over it. And, uh, but, uh, 
it was, you know, it was, it was something to behold. And uh, but the school was somewhat dicey even in those days. But uh, yeah, you didn't want to go clean those mobile units. But, but you know, we had the I uh, just the shift over to the Fed stuff yesterday, and what the European Central Bank's doing. I mean, the market's still going to go up, Jen. People are convinced that the Fed is never going to let the market go down. It's it's a really bad message because someday they they might not be there when you want them. Uh, right now, I'd say the tone is still bullish. Uh, I mean, we had a rally yesterday after all this stuff, and but the fact is, they stopped. They seem. You and I have talked about this. I don't know if anybody's missing it. I'm not going to accuse them of not seeing what's pretty obvious. But nobody talks about the fact that right now inflation is not our problem. It's the price bubble. And what they basically have said yesterday yet again is we're comfortable that people are not bitching more about the price bubble. We're just going to let it stand. We're going to, we're going to keep inflation muted going forward. That's, that's all we're going to do. And then you guys better deal with the fact that these prices are where you can't afford stuff. I got a call last night from uh, one of our guys here, one of our contributors, and he goes, Chief, I just want a guy to pull my, my uh, what do you call it, thing in the sink that grinds up the stuff. The, oh, the disposal? Disposal. I want my uh, disposal one out. I don't even want a disposal. I just want a guy to pull the thing out and put, you know, the pipe in there. Just the one simple pipe, which, you know, is one piece. And the guy, the guy wants six fifty. I saw him. Tell them to go pound sand. What do you mean six fifty? It's an hour and a half's work. What are you doing? I mean, the the the, the people are being hit up for services and stuff now, John. It's brutal what you have to pay any of these. I mean, it's any anything that you go and have done or anything that anybody thinks this inflation isn't is stopping is it it, it just it, in some areas it's stopped. Food prices are coming to where they're equilibrium. Your pork prices, your chicken prices, those kinds of things are probably not much higher than they were when COVID started. Uh, anything processed, anything with transportation, anything that everybody has to touch, it's, it, 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 I don't know, it might just be starting your, your utility bills and stuff. It, it just, it's just hitting speed here. It's, well, it, it, you know, it might, might be time for a reality check, Tom. I, I kind of like your thoughts on this, too. You know, all during the time when rates were down to zero from being held there for so long, um, most people if they were concerned at all about this continuing pattern, I don't know if they spent too much time or if anybody has enough time to go back and say, how did we get here? Why are we here? But wh- whoever thought this was a good idea? And you know, now, I mean, the, the Fed is pausing on rates and the you know, Europeans are raising them, but uh, in the bigger picture, what if you know they have to lower rates or, or if they have to actually, actually slash rates? And by that, I mean, if, if there's no movement in commercial real estate, if construction freezes up, if people are getting laid off left and right, and there's no credit being accessed by the average person who can't afford a house at any price because of the interest rates, do they have any option but to slash the rates? And do well, again, yeah, but you're, you're, what we should have done the first time. Don't uh, don't take this personally, but don't <laughs> fall don't don't fall for the brainwashing. Don't there's there's only so much you can do with with monetary policy. I mean, when you, you have, and this is the part that, as you can tell, every day I talk something about it, it frosts the living bejesus out of me because the, 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 it's, it's not about if, it, when, if, when you say the Fed controls interest rates, what they, they control, control short-term rates by, the, by maintaining or increasing or decreasing the amount of money essentially in the pool. 
and and if you if you increase the amount of money in the pool, borrowing is going to become easier from somebody because a bank all of a sudden has more, and he's going to lend at a, at a lower rate, okay, and he's going to pay less than interest to other people. That's that that's what they can do. But if, if all of a sudden everybody all of a sudden there you know there's a sun flare and all the electricity gets knocked out in the country, doubling the money supply doesn't make people get electricity. All it does is make everything twice as expensive. It would, there, there, there's a limit to what you can, what you can do. I mean, some of the most uh, vibrant times in this country was after the Civil War, when the Fed actually withdrew money from the money supply, and we had a deflationary spiral—not a spiral—we had we had deflation, but it didn't matter. It was so, there were so many inventions during the war, and some people came back from the war, some didn't, uh, and had had to buy stuff. I mean, you weren't buying washing machines or anything, but you were buying stuff. Uh, you know, plows, what have you, seeds, whatever, and and jobs were yeah, plentiful. Plow jobs were, pl- but there there was there was there was a, a uh, an expansion in the economy that maybe would have been a little better had you not been pulling greenbacks out at the same time. But you you can't you can't manufacture productivity by by throwing money at the system. Oh yeah, I'm I'm not saying that I'm not giving you a recipe for what's right or wrong about this, but I'm just saying perfectly capable. Of doing the stupid things we did in the past, but the that's future. but when you say cut the interest rates, that's the that's the the second derivative. The first derivative is how do I cut the interest rates? I shove money into the system, so you can't do one without the other. And and, and sort of to say I want them to cut interest rates, but I don't want any more money in the system because I don't want inflationary. You know that's like saying. You know, I want to eat eat all I can, but I never want to poop. Okay, well that's fine, but you know, it's not the way it works. But one one but one comes before the other is what I'm saying. I, I hear you, but what's to stop? <laughs> I hate to be so brusque, but but the stupid people that we've got running the show and have been for a long I, time from doing the same stupid things I, again. I don't I don't think the people running the show are stupid at all. I think they're protecting some people to the extent to the detriment of others. There's a big. Well, that, don't think for a second. That's also, that's also a stupid move. <laughs> well, uh, you and I think it is because it, it's probably not going to work long term. It's not. It's not sustainable. Well, but you right. know what? It has been for a long time. It's it's, it's, well, it's but, sustainable enough to keep doing it. Yeah. But I mean, right now, I, I if uh, if if you're uh, a firm, if you're if you're a guy that was able to buy borrow under the inflation rate for the last ten years in your assets, and you're and you're richer than avarice. I don't think you. I don't. <laughs> you're not. To, to think this is ever going to, if the, the policy might change, Jan, but the damage has been done. Right. A, a, but a, a, le, a lessee right now who's been buried on rent, is is never going to quote catch up and buy the building, or buy the house. Then he's too nobody, far behind. Nobody else is. is no. Positioned he's too far behind. I mean, you, you, so, but you know, this is something we haven't seen, maybe, or at least it, it, nothing seems as critical in this area as it is right now. Where it doesn't look like property of a certain kind is, is going to be desirable by anybody at any price. Well, even if it were, they, they can't afford it because of the interest rates. So it's, it's um, there's there's if you see a credit shutdown, um, and and it's happening in, in downtown areas. I mean, the businesses are closing left and right in San Francisco and Portland. Um, the the buildings are going belly up. The hotels are shutting down. You're going to see the ship. If, if the lenders are, are faced with nothing but a portfolio of assets that they can't move and well, are dropping in value that's, all the that's, time, right. what's they, the they, they, do about it? In that particular area, that's, 
but your your housing values, at least for the moment, are up. Your stock values are clearly up. Uh, so if, if the difference between some, if, if you and your bro both had a million dollars five years ago, and you put yours in the bank, and he put his in the stock market, okay, he's going to be your your million dollars is now worth six fifty maybe, and his million dollars is is probably at least it's probably stayed steady or a little bit more because he's his, his stock might be worth a million eight or more depending on which ones he bought. Uh, it might be worth a million eight, and and the inflation's been what thirty five percent. So he's up on the day. You're never going to catch him. You're never going to catch him. Your six is never going to, no matter what you do, unless you win the lottery, you're not catching him. Right. Even I, if think, the, even I think real estate investors are in the same boat right now. At least it depends. It depends on where you are. If you if you if you bought six flats where people are renting, you're doing fine. Right. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm yeah. just saying the big the big stuff, not the six flats, but right. you know the shopping centers and hotels and office buildings. Right. They got they are, got period. Totally white elephants. Right. You, commercial. You know, yes. What all right, John, we got a dash. We'll, we'll talk more about this on Monday. SP Feeders now only no, now 14. Not Monday, Tom. We got that's right. We're, we're, that's right, not Monday. We'll have to get you on uh, with Kevin next week one someday. We can't go a week without a. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll intercede with Kevin or something. Uh, well, then you're on Thursday, but still, we need we need, we need need to talk more about this. Uh, SP Feeders down 13. NASDAQ is down 78. We're up from the bottom, but we're, uh, we're still down here a little bit. I'll be back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.